Hey y'all, welcome back to the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. I'm Darren, I'm your host, and today i got another great guest, Mr. Gary Bixler. He is the owner and creator of a great sauce called the Farm Sauce, and we're going to talk to him, see how he created it, and where he's marketing it. I'll be right back with Gary Bixler of the Farm Sauce. Smoking, grilling, getting hot and hotter. Hey all, I want to welcome back Inkbird Products as a sponsor of the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. Inkbird makes many great different temperature controllers, thermometers, uh, all kinds of time and temp controllers. But one of the best things that they make is their new sous vide circulator. That includes Wi-Fi, 1,000 watts of power, and super quiet at a really affordable price. It's one of my top picks for a budget sous vide circulator for people who are just getting started. Make sure you check it out in the link below. Check out Inkbird. Welcome back, Inkbird Products, to the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. Welcome back to the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. I'm Darren. I'm your host, of course, as always. And I have another great guest with me today. Um, one of my series where I where I take some small business entrepreneurs and give them some time, and especially ones that I like to use. This is uh, Gary Bixler. He is the owner and creator of the Farm Sauce, which is I don't want to call it a barbecue sauce. I, I want to call it a uh, an overall overall type sauce. But Gary, welcome to the uh, Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. Why don't you introduce yourself and? Let everybody you, know where, where you are and where you're from. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, my name is Gary Bixler. I'm here in Roswell, Georgia. I've uh, been up here about 35 years, originally from South Florida, your neck of the woods, uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And um, grew up down there, spent first 30 years of my life there and got married, kids and all, and moved up here and been up here ever since. And um, we... Um, uh, We've liked it a lot up here. The air has grown quite a bit uh, over the last 35 years. Yeah, I almost ended up in um, living up around Blue Ridge. I, I About mm-hmm. seven, uh, I think it was maybe eight or ten years ago, I almost bought a um, a cabin rental company up there. But, oh. um, yeah, I was down to actually sign in the papers, but, like, the, the night before we were supposed to close on it, I found a bunch of, stuff that was undisclosed that was going to cost me a lot more money and we were already like dumping all our life savings into it so we backed out at the last minute after selling our house and everything and hightailed it back to florida so i wasn't going to put my wife and kids through that and end up divorced and bankrupt you know so i ended up actually working out pretty good anyway so you know our lives kind of turned around a little bit after that but so you grew up in South Florida, which um, I, I started out in upstate New York, but I went through high school and uh, all that in the mm-hmm. uh, Fort Lauderdale area. And we had talked about that before. You went to Pinecrest, and I was over in Northeast High. So you were you were kind of in the semi-private school there, and I was in the uh, – <laughs> so, no, nothing, nothing semi about it. it was, yeah. yeah over, <laughs> so. I had gone all my life to public school, though, through Sunrise and uh, Fort Lauderdale High School, and uh, the teachers went on strike that year in 1967. And my father panicked, pulled us out, or uh, got us into Pinecrest, and uh, – I spent the last three years in high school at Pinecrest. 
Now I, I arrived there in 79. So you were, oh, okay. you were probably gone from there by the time I started. So I was gone and back already. I got married in 79 in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So that's when I moved there from New York. So I, I spent 79 to 89 down in South Florida. And okay. then I moved, uh, I moved over here to the Tampa area in 89 and I've been here ever since, which I kind of yeah. like it a little better. It's a little bit more laid back a lot, yeah. not as many New Yorkers over here as more, Midwesterns on this side, mm-hmm. uh, Florida is a funny state where, you know, one <laughs> side, you know, the, the goes by the interstates, you know, so I-95 goes all the way up to Maine and New York. So all those people tend to drive straight down to that side of Florida. And then I-75 goes up to Chicago and Ohio and all mm-hmm. that. So all the Midwestern people drive down I-75 and, and kind of supplant down here on this side. So it's always been yeah. kind of funny to me the way Florida is that way. But I love, you know, I love it. And I love North Georgia as well. And um, so let's kind of talk about your original career because this, you know, you didn't start out, you know, with selling the farm sauce. No, so, um, we're, we're going to get into the farm sauce and what it is and how you developed it. But so what did you do originally for those uh, time I, before? I um, spent oh, close to 40 years, 38 years in uh, medical device sales. Um, both as a sales rep, as a manager, national sales manager, a VP of sales for a variety of companies over uh, that period of time. And um, I literally traveled all around the country running sales forces and uh, gave me a good background from a selling standpoint to get into something like this, budgeting and uh, business planning, things of that nature. But um, I was a real good uh, client of Delta Airlines for a long, long time, long time. Yeah, I'm 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 the same way. I've been in banking, but I've I've been on the sales side. I deal with all the car dealers um, throughout the country and state. Oh, and okay. So that's what I've done for 30 years. So I'm I'm an outside sales. So I I go around to the car dealers and try to get them to use our products. And so you know that's what I've been doing. So uh, you know sales background and what yeah. you know what you're doing, and even from what I do because I have to sell to my audience and, and sell to uh, sponsors and all that. So you always got to have some kind of good sales background in order to sometimes chase what you love. So, so you've done that um, all your career. So I guess you kind of retired from that and that's when you started the the farm sauce. Well, about three years ago, uh, retired and, um, Play a little golf, not much, and just uh, I, it came to be very clear that even though you retire from run thing, you can't retire from doing something. And <laughs> um, the farm sauce has been in our family for a long, long time, and it's one of those things that people have been telling me for years. You need to market this, you need to sell it. Uh, I thought people were just being nice, being kind, and uh, I finally just I said I don't want to get to the end of my life and wish that I'd done this, and that was a big motivator. So I'm going to pull it oh, up on, on the screen there so people can see what we're talking about. So okay. the farm sauce. So this is your product now, and I've I've sampled this. I have mm-hmm. um, my son, as I was telling you before we uh, started recording today, my son loves this stuff, and he will dump it on anything. And yep. that's why I didn't want to really call it a barbecue sauce because it really can go on, on pretty much anything. Um, right. It's very versatile. It's yeah. not a sweet sauce at all. It's very savory. Oh. And it's got a horseradishy type kick, and I kind of compare it to like the Alabama white barbecue chicken barbecue sauce. Some similarities there, yes. But it's a little bit more savory and a little bit more um, 
There's a different different depth to it, I think. Then. Yeah, and a different mouthfeel to it as well because it's not mayonnaise based or and doesn't have a lot of vinegar to it like the oh. uh, the oh. uh, Alabama's type sauce does. So, where did you get the? You said this this recipe has been in your family for a long time. Yeah, it um, uh, kind of a neat story. We um, again being in South Florida back in the uh, '60s. Um, it had not grown anywhere near to where it is today, obviously. And my father, he was a veterinarian in, in, in Fort Lauderdale. Um, he's an old country boy from Ohio. And uh, when we were very young, he bought 10 acres of land uh, on the outside western part of, uh, of uh, Fort Lauderdale, which is now Coral Springs in Parkland. Back then, it was basically strictly Everglades. So he got the 10 acres. Um, he liked horses, so he acquired some horses. And he needs somebody to take care of horses, even uh, even when you're there if you're not there they still need to be fed so he came across a fellow named mr Raylan, who was an honest to god central florida cowboy and uh, most of the cowboys folks don't know historically came from florida originally florida is one of the biggest cattle producing states in the country and uh, had a lot of cowboys up in the central part and that's where mr Raylan was from he came down and lived at the farm with his wife he was kind of retired and we would have farm parties as we called them and he asked my father, he said, would you mind if I make up a sauce here and cook up some ribs for your, for your friends? Go ahead. And he would put 40 pounds of ribs on a big uh, outside grill that he, that he put together, mix up five or six gallons of the farm sauce, and with a mop, literally just baste these things for hours and hours. These were uh, St. Louis ribs. We didn't have baby backs back then. Mm-hmm. And just hours and hours of, mo- of basting the, uh, the ribs, turning them. People loved this sauce, and they would go crazy for it. It was very unique. And the next time we would have a party, the first thing they would ask is, Mr. Raylan going to make that farm sauce. So they named it. And that's how it got its name. <laughs> As uh, time went on, Mr. Raylan uh, passed on. But before that, he uh, gave the recipe to my father. And my father gave it to me. And I've been making it for 40 years of my adult life and um, uh, family and friends and that kind of thing. And that brought us to where we are here today of wanting to bring it out to the public, finding out if there was a market for it. So that's what. So that's what is that doing. his picture or his? Um, that's a rendition. A rendition of what he looked like in your memory. <laughs> uh, exactly. We. Uh, it's funny with today's phones and everything how many pictures we take, but uh, we had Polaroids back then and some Kodak Instamatics, and we didn't take a lot of pictures. So I desperately tried to find a picture of Mr. Raylan, could not find one. This is my recollection of him my my nephew who's a very talented artist down in south florida um created the uh the picture on my input and um, i think it's a great likeness of him quite frankly it looks a little bit like robert duvall but uh <laughs> that's what mr Raylan looked like he was an, he was the real the real deal he was not yeah. a roy rogers type of cowboy he was a man of few words and uh, i can always remember his hands being just totally scarred up from from riding horses cattle roping and all that and uh, he's a good-sized man, too, uh, but very quiet. And um, he just had this sauce and, and loved making it for folks. So that's what's brought us here today. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people understand that how many um, ranchers and how many ranches and cattle businesses in Florida. It's not Huge. just it's not just oranges, that's for sure. I mean, still today, there's, there's uh, yeah. tons of cattle ranches around, especially yeah. in the center of the state. So, right. um, yeah, it, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, some of the more wealthy people in the state of Florida were cattle ranchers like Ben Hill Griffith, you know, he, exactly. 
you know, most of his money came from real estate and, uh, you know, he had all kinds of livestock. He had all kinds of farms, yeah. not just citrus. So there's uh, oh, no. No. Yeah. Mormon church is one of the largest uh, cattle owners in the uh, state of Florida. So, yeah, it's uh, so when you had the sauce, it's, you know, it sounds like the way he used it, he mopped it. Like yeah. you would see um, like North Carolina, like whole hog where they mop or, you know, even in Texas where they kind of mop, but have you ever seen or heard or tasted any other kind of sauce similar to this? No. And that's what, um, I've, I've been a barbecue, uh, freak, if you will, for a long, long time, uh, being raised in the South and spending all my life in the South and traveling all around the country, Texas, Fort Worth, uh, Kansas City, and, and, uh, sampling different types. Um, I was always kind of partial to the mustard-based Carolina-type sauces and a little more vinegar, a little more mustard. But when I'd always come back to the farm sauce, the active ingredient in this thing is horseradish. And uh, we put a lot of horseradish in this sauce. And we use fresh root horseradish. My uh, bottler looked long and hard to find it because before we brought it out, I was telling people that if I can't duplicate the taste that I can get in the kitchen, making it uh, from the recipe... Uh, I'm not going to bring it out. I mean, if it's too sweet, if it doesn't have that that horseradish kick to it, uh, we're just not going to go with it because that to me is what makes it unique. And after 20 months now of selling it, that is the, the the comment that comes through loud and clear from people is the, the unique flavor of that horseradish, um, along with the other ingredients that are mixed in with it. But that horseradish does dominate it. Yeah, but it's not a really overpowering horseradish taste like if you got like a horseradish spread for that you could buy at the store, you know, to put on your sandwich. It's not very, you know, that burning sensation oh. that you get from some of the, you know, overpowering. It's got an, it's, I would say it's actually a nice mellow horseradish taste. You know, it's there and you can taste it, but it's not, you know, well, that's, that's going to hit you over the head. I mean, yeah, it's interesting. You, uh, you bring that up because the original, original recipe from Mr. Rayland, um, was as you described yeah, the horseradish. It, you would be crying, literally tears would be coming out of your mouth while you're chewing on ribs, but you're not stopping eating the ribs. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you so many times people would say, I hate horseradish in this. And they just, you couldn't, you couldn't get the, the rib out of their hand. Right. Um, but when I went to market or was coming to market and doing research, uh, I, I talked to a lot of barbecue people. And I have to say this industry has been amazing for the, the support, the, um, the ideas, the, the camaraderie of uh, literally welcoming a competitor into it uh, has been phenomenal and got a lot of great advice from people. And they said, well, this is a unique sauce uh, with this horseradish. You've got to find a way to balance it because everybody's not going to want to cry while they're eating ribs. Sure. So I did a lot of experimenting with dark molasses and there is some dark molasses in there that balances out that horseradish. You still feel it. You, you can taste the horseradish, but it is not that burning uh, horseradish flavor that you get from raw root horseradish. Right. Now, when we make it, we have to have masks on because yeah, it'll make your nose it makes your nose run. Yeah. Oh, your nose, yeah. your eyes. You have to walk outside. If you don't have a mask on, you got to walk outside for fresh air. Uh, but then when we blend all the other ingredients in, that settles it down, and that seems to be the flavor that uh, people really, really like. And we didn't have to sacrifice the the horseradish identity. I guess is the best way to describe it. Well, that's the the thing I like about the sauce the most is that it is unique. It's different. It's not a, you know, 
okay, I'm a famous barbecue guy and I stuck my name on a, on a sweet barbecue sauce. And then there's a spicy barbecue sauce and then there's a mustard barbecue sauce. And then there's, you know, it's not that at all. It's something totally different and unique that, um, you can't really find anywhere else. And like I said, I've had plenty, I've got, I mean, people send me, you know, samples of their barbecue sauce all the time because, they, you know, everybody and their brother that's done anything in barbecue thinks that they, because they won, won a regional or a local barbecue competition, they, they now are the authority and they can make their own rubs and their own sauces and market it. And, and pretty much they're all, you know, very similar. <laughs> I mean, well, they all got, ingredients. they all got molasses in them. They all got, you know, uh, ketchup based or, or, or their mustard base or, you know, the Eastern Carolina one's the easiest one because it's vinegar and peppers and, you know, you know, a, a couple other <laughs> and some, you know, powdered, uh, mustard and that, you know, that's about it. I mean, there's really not a lot that you can do with it. It's, you know, the, what you can try to do is, you know, you, the proportion of the different ingredients to try to do it. But, but this one is totally, like I said, it's totally unique. It's not a sweet sauce, which mm-hmm. is good. And it's not really an overly spicy sauce, but it does no. have a little bit of kick and it does have that savory um, influence to it. So I'm one, when I make most of my barbecue, I don't sauce it. If I make right. ribs, I don't yeah. sauce it because I'm used to letting everybody else kind of pick what they like as far as con- sauce to me is a condiment. It's not yes. a cooking ingredient. It is mm-hmm. something that you put on after. It's like you know ketchup on a hamburger. Um, I don't cook my hamburgers in ketchup. So I mean, then that's just my thing. If I'm making a bunch of ribs, I've got ten people over. I don't want to you know have them have to eat the sauce that I decided to put on that day. Yeah. You know, I'll give them different options, and that's what I do. I take all those ones that people sent me and I'll stick them yeah, out man. on the table. <laughs> but um, you know, so that's that's kind of where i come from so i'm really when i do see a unique sauce like this and you know this is probably one of the only ones that i would actually use it as a basting sauce while i'm cooking you know because yeah it's not something to where you know i want to make something that where this is a unique piece of meat like i'm I'm probably going to use it tonight on some pork tenderloins and um, beautiful Beautiful. and i i found that is one of my favorite things to put this on when you know I'm sous eating it right now, and I'll take it out and I'll grill it to finish it off, and I'll baste it in the sauce while I'm grilling it. Perfect. And it combines with the you know the char and everything else, and it makes it something totally, totally different. So well, we we over the years have done a lot of experimenting with it, and friends have too, and people uh, uh, that I've, I've given it to uh, other other cooks and barbecue people, but. Um, we like to, to say that you can, you can marinate with it, you can baste with it, and you can use it as a dipping sauce uh, across the, the spectrum for, for proteins. And it works well in so many vegetables, or stir-frying so many vegetables with it. There's something about the balance of the, the, the sauce and the horseradish that doesn't hide a flavor as much as adds to it and still lets you taste, whether it's a Brussels sprouts or asparagus, um, the, the farm sauce adds an extra layer of flavor without hiding it, which always has surprised me given how strong horseradish is. But uh, you stir fry shrimp, you will taste the shrimp, but you'll just know that there's something added to it on top. Right. Of that. So, yeah, exactly. And like I said, it's <laughs> uh, the savory, you know, the savoriness of it is what makes it where you can use it with everything. Cause there's some things you just don't want to put sweet on, or you don't want to put no. really super spicy on or, you know, so, um, that's so when you about in the, uh, the the repeat sales coming back, we do a lot of farmers markets uh, up here, and uh, 
uh, I'm going on 20 months now, so my second year of farmer's market, even after COVID, we're still getting back to some sense of normalcy. Um, the, the, the people coming back and telling me what they've tried it on is, is half the fun of, of doing this. Um, some of them come up with ideas that we haven't uh, come up with, and we're going to try to put those together and put them on the website. Um, but the versatility of it, I think, is what uh, is the most fun of watching people try it. So when did you first start marketing this and, and how did you go about yeah. getting ready to do that? Because I know bottling sauce is kind of, you got to go through a lot of hoops just to be able to, yeah. you know, bottle sauce. It's not as easy as rubs because yeah. rubs, you don't got to go through the uh, health department <laughs> and USDA and, and all that kind of stuff with, with bottles of sauce you do. So that is very true. The FDA is involved. The government's involved. You have to develop a, a very big patience quotient because none of it moves quickly in terms of the approval process. Um, probably in, in 2018, in March, I decided I was going to commit to this. And I literally went to um, a store here in, uh, in Roswell, uh, uh, Atlanta Grill Company, who's uh, a great, these guys are yeah, great they're guys. friends of mine. I'm, I'm really big fans of uh, Gary, Gary and Jason and them. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys really helped me get a start because I literally um, made up a batch of sauce in my kitchen. I went to a local barbecue store and brought some some short, some ribs, some, some pulled pork, uh, some brisket and brought it to them and with my sauce and said, here, guys, here's lunch. Tell me what you think of this sauce. They ate it. They liked it a lot. And uh, Gary, I said, if I, if I go to market with this, will you put it on your shelf? And he said, absolutely. So that, that was the extent of my market research <laughs> into the industry. And if, you, if you've been to their store, you know they have literally hundreds of rubs and, and sauces on their shelf. Um, yeah. I was going to join that crowd. But uh, that gave me the confidence to say, well, I've got one guy that will buy the, the sauce. So I went and went through the process of finding a bottler. That's not easy to do either, given... There's not a lot of them, and they all want fairly large orders um, oh, yeah. to start with. And if you're on a shoestring like we were and trying to be uh, as, as fiscally uh, conservative as possible, that was tough. Everybody wanted 100 cases to start with. And I found a fellow named Kenny Dasher who ran a company called Serenity Farms who agreed to do 50 cases. And we went down there, my daughter and I, and we literally sat in his, his uh, kitchen outdoor kitchen and put the ingredients together and came up with the flavor that we wanted. He carved it in stone, as he said, once he says, if you tell me this is what you want, this is what every batch is going to taste like after this. And he's been right because we've gone through almost um, um, 500 cases now in uh, 22 months. So um, he, he, he helped me a lot in being able to bring it to market without putting a lot of cash out there. So we got the first batch, brought it into Gary and uh, he was my first customer. And then it was just a question of literally schlepping it around town to a lot of other high-end barbecue stores. I wasn't going to get into Publix or, or Kroger. Um, the price point isn't going to allow that. The, there's too many right. ingredients in there. And if you know anything about that kind of that end of the retail market, they take so much of your of your profit that you've got to look at a lot of volume. And that wasn't where I was going to start out. But we've had about eight or nine nice stores around the Atlanta and the Roswell area. The market has been good for us. And... Um, Selling online has been a really, really uh, good experience. So we've had a lot of uh, good success with that too. Yeah, getting the word out there is the biggest thing. And I understand, you know, trying to put it in Publix or Walmart, they control <laughs> they control what your price can be too sure a lot of do. times. They tell you. I know that just talking to the guys from Masterbuilt, you mm -hmm. know, and some of the products that they've put in, you know, 
that was their whole design for their, especially their new grill. When they designed this new, um, you know, their charcoal, uh, charcoal grill, they pretty much had to put it to where it was at, you know, four or $500 or Walmart wouldn't carry it. So, so they have to, you know, look at that's, <laughs> that's where they're starting from. So, you know, I know that it's not just, what cut that they take and they decide how much goes on the shelves and how much you got to send them before they, you know, want to start paying you. <laughs> and then they also yeah. could control what the price of it, you can actually sell it for. So, and there's a lot of things of you, you're going to pay a certain amount for certain types of shelf space too. So yeah, I, I don't regret that at all. And again, it'd be impossible for me to go into those, those uh, retail stores uh, just because of what my sauce costs to make. Um, yeah. there's no way it could happen. And I'm fine with that. This is a specialty product. It, uh, um, it's word of mouth. It's, it's over the internet. It's through farmer's markets. And we've been very pleased with the reorder rate that we've seen this year. Uh, this year started out a little slow, obviously with COVID, we couldn't have any farmer's markets, uh, for the first, uh, four months of the year. So we missed out on that. We're getting back to, to, like I said, some kind of normalcy and people are coming back and saying, Oh yeah, last year I loved it. Going to buy some more. So, that's been fun. And we've got the whole family involved doing that. So I know you're still kind of small right now and you're still yeah. kind of getting your, your feet wet and it's kind of hard with all the stuff that we've been going on this year. It's kind of, you picked the, picked the wrong time, but at least you had gotten going, right? So we, at least you had got your, you've got your, you know, uh, supplier and bottler yeah. and went through all those hoops before you, um, before 2020 happened. So, right. Now uh, we, we were selling all through, we launched in, um, November of 18. So we had the whole year of 19 to, to sell and to build a, a base and build a customer base. And I was really, really 2020 was going to be a great year for us. And it's turning out to be a much better year than I anticipated given COVID, uh, the, the last half of the year, I think is going to come on real strong, but we missed out on a lot in the first part of the year. So that was, uh, I was, I was looking at bringing a rub out at that point. Um, as you've said, uh, they're much easier to do and less expensive, and your margin is, quite frankly, a lot better on rubs. Oh, yeah. Um, and I've got some friends that are willing to help me in the industry. And it's something I may do at the end of this year or first part of next. Um, <laughs> right now, we're a one-product company. And, you know. That's always hard, too. It's tough. It is yeah. tough. But at the same time, um, my friend good friend of mine I was talking to the other day, he, he likes uh, Dickie Dale sauce on his steaks. I don't particularly care for it, but that he said, that's all they make is that one steak sauce, but they sell tons of it. <laughs> so I guess if, uh, if it's that popular, I don't know if the farm sauce will ever get like that, but um, I wouldn't mind having a rub. People like rubs a lot and, and uh, <clears throat> they're easier to make. So that's something, if we add something, it's going to be uh, along the lines of a rub. So if you add a rub, do you already have a flavor profile in mind? Would you try to do something that would complement the sauce or be similar to what the sauce would be in a rub form, like with the horseradish? And That's and a very good question. And when I talk to people, I get mixed reactions on that. They say you don't want to stray too far from what has made you successful, which in this case is the horseradish-based flavor. Um, and some people, as you said earlier, don't, don't do sauces, but they do rubs. They like to put rubs on. So I'd like to offer a rub that gives you the same experience without having to go to a sauce, but, um, maybe I'll have two rubs. I don't know. We haven't got that far to, but to answer your question, I think it's going to, there's, it's going to be similar more than different to, yeah. uh, to the sauce. Yeah. And it'll be the farm sauce rub. 
keep it simple. Well, and if you go along that same line, though, at least it's be different than what's already out there. And that's the thing you're going for you. You're not competing against, you know, everybody else's all purpose rub, you know, which is salt, right. pepper and garlic. You know, how many salt, pepper, garlic rubs are on the market? You know, they might, <laughs> a ton of them. If you go, you know, you, you know, like you said, Atlanta Grill Company, you go down their rub aisle and oh. there, you know, you could take every other one. It's probably very similar. And yeah. and. You know, but they've got somebody else or some other barbecue guy's name on it. And, you know, mm-hmm. my friend, I got a friend of mine, John Setzler. He, he's got some rubs that he put together, but his are different than some of the others that, that um, you know, Atlanta Grill Company has. And then. Yeah, John um, did and, and, uh, yeah. cook for us uh, last year. And he you know, and they actually helped him. You know, they actually it's his rubs are, you know, actually marketed by Atlantic grow company. They're, you know, right. they actually helped him with hook up with lanes to, to put those together. Mm-hmm. But all three of those rubs are different than what lanes offers anywhere mm-hmm. else. You know, so it's, you know, you got to kind of have a, something a little bit different than what's already out there, or you're just competing against, you know, Malcolm Reed's rubs or, you know, uh, yeah. you know, everybody else who's got a, you know, won a barbecue competition some, some name, yeah. yeah you know cosmo <laughs> q or whatever all these guys yeah. that have you know i i try to test different rubs out but i get kind of bored with them and i i make up my own most of the time um there's, there's a, a couple yeah there's a couple that i like to use that because you know um they're easy to just grab and then not have to worry about it but a lot of times i make up my own stuff but there are things like if you did something like this where I don't happen to have powdered, you know, horseradish, you know, in my cabinet, it's kind of hard to find at the local grocery store or Costco. So there's some ingredients that, and, and I've always thought about too, putting together my own rub and, mm-hmm. and getting some ingredients that you don't normally find like powdered horseradish or not horseradish or um, Worcestershire. Or, yeah. uh, there's, there's other like ingredients that you could put into a rub that are very hard to find you know, locally and you can't really buy, you know, by the, by the, you know, you know, small amount, you got to buy them like in a five pound volume and a bulk. So, but, um, but yeah, I've always kind of looked at that as well. So when you got, like say, so you, you started out, you got Gary to start putting your uh, stuff on the shelf. Mm -hmm. How long did it take you to actually start selling when you got everything done and ready to go? How long was it from the time of conception to your first bottle went up on the shelf. That I can give you the exact date because it was um, uh, the Atlanta Grill Company did their biannual. Uh, this was um, right after, right before Christmas and right after Thanksgiving, when they would have the Kamado Joe people come in and set up all the tents and set up all the Kamado Joes. I was there that day. You know, you, didn't you see me? Was it the rain? Was it the? That yes. Was, uh, oh my yeah. God! The weather was horrible. <laughs> I was there for we that one. Mm-hmm. Still had. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that came through. That was my first time on a shelf, and we sold, I think we did um, over a dozen cases that day. We moved a yeah. dozen cases through Gary's uh, store. Yeah. And he's been my best customer, retail customer since then. He's reordered a lot of sauce. Um, he says he gets a lot of reorders for it through the store, which is I'm really happy to hear because he, he, he does a huge business on uh, mail orders. You yeah. know? <laughs> and he's a big Kamado Joe um, a distributor. Um, so that was when, again, we started in March and then to, to end of November was, was the launch. So it took that long to get through the hoops and everything, build up my inventory, get the, the label the way I wanted it. And, um, uh, so I, I gave it a year and we did it a little, a little under a year. So, 
that got us off to a good start. We got some reorders out of that. And then I went to other stores around the country, around the, the city. Um, my daughters, again, have helped me tremendously on uh, Facebook and Instagram through social media. And with the influencers, you get into one of these influencers and if they like your product, uh, your phone starts blowing up. It's, it's been very interesting. I'm going to have to uh, probably get some help with uh, the shipping and packaging. So I'm doing all that out of my office. Uh, right now, now. How, how do you do your sales online? Because I don't see a way for you to order it online. Do you just people oh, email no. you? Oh, no. You go to thefarmsauce.com. I'm my looking eyes. at it right now. I don't see a way to right order up at it. At the top, it should say buy. Oh, yeah, there it is. I'm sorry. I missed it. <laughs> my son-in-law is a computer programmer. He built he built the website for us, and we're going to make some changes in that, too, <clears throat> in the near future. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah, you can I ship all over the country, and uh, uh, I just took probably uh, 60 bucks, 60 boxes in the last four days to uh, uh, UPS to, to mail out. And uh, it's going to be a lot of work, but that's fine. That's just what we wanted to do, and I'd love to get to the point where I can maybe take a – take a look at some kind of fulfillment house to, uh, to start taking some of the slack. So are you, uh, in the black now? I mean, how long did it take you to get in the black? Yeah, the black? I, um, I exceeded the business plan in terms of being self-funding. So well, that's good. <laughs> we're very happy about that. Uh, I've got a, my, my bottler just called. I just placed another 50 case order and I'll pick that up, uh, Tuesday and that'll put us uh, right at about 525 cases that uh, we've gone through or through him. So once you actually you, you place that initial order, it's easier to get smaller orders done. Is that well, we out? stayed at fifty. We stayed at fifty. Um, okay. My price break from him, I'd have to get up to triple that order, and it's not a question of not. I could move that amount of product in in a relatively short period of time, but I don't have any place to put it. In my, right. <laughs> it's in the dining room right now. That's the uh, the farm sauce room. We, we eat in the kitchen and we don't use the dining room anymore. That's kind of the post office storage area for, uh, for the sauce. And um, so it's a question of, of, of space. <laughs> where am I going to put it? Where am I going to put it? Yeah. And you don't want to, you don't want to have to store it somewhere and pay for storage and it cuts into no, your profit. And uh, exactly. yeah, I, when I had, I had Malcolm Reed on my uh, podcast, um, mm-hmm. him and his wife uh, uh, last year. And we talked about that because, you know, he started off, small like me just doing like a little YouTube channel. And then he's grown into, you know, what he is now and he's got rubs and sauces and all kinds of stuff and his own podcast. And, but when they first decided to start making their own rub, they started with a rub. Cause like you said, it's easier. And, yep. but he had to order 400 cases and he's wow. like, and That's you know, you got to come up with the money up front. Sure. And like you said, have a place to put it. I mean, he said, he, you know, he's like, they took a really big gamble doing that that because yep. not knowing if they were ever going to sell it, you know, yep. he said he had cases stuck in his garage and his bedroom and his spare room and his kids <laughs> room and the closets. He said they were all over the yep. place and he goes, thank yep. God he was able to, you know, sell it all. And, you yep. know, now he's, you know, got no problem, but you know, when you're staring that in the face, and you got yeah. all that money outlay and then you don't know if you're going to be able to turn this into cash because it is, it's exactly. a, and well, uh, that, it, it's the cost of that. It's the cost of your labels. I mean, you've got to, you've got to get a oh, yeah. thousand labels because you got to stick them on the boxes. You got to put it on every, every bottle and um, you get a price break on the labels. That's, that's not bad, but you're still looking at a decent amount of cash uh, up front before you ever see the first time. So you have to be, you know, hope and a prayer, but at the same time, 
uh, like I said, we had a lot of help, a lot of friends. Uh, Gary was a big help with uh, the grill company. The time of year we launched with the holidays, we were able to move a lot through the holidays uh, for Christmas presents and stocking stuffers, things of that nature. So it uh, we went through it faster than we anticipated. And we were able to reorder uh, probably right around February of uh, of, uh, of 19, February of 19. So um, and like I said, we've, uh, we've been ordering very steadily since then. Very happy about that. So I think we talked about this before I started recording, but so you're retired now and this is your love. This is something you wanted to do. And and it's, uh, it's not something where you're, you you don't have the illusion that you're going to be a multimillionaire of, (laughs) you know, (laughs) by by selling this sauce, correct? No, I mean, I, I, if it happened, great, but no, the ultimate business plan isn't to, uh, to, uh, no, to make a ton of money. Um, uh, I, this is a family business. I mean, I've started it, but because I traveled so much, as I said earlier, I feel fortunate at this point in my life, I'm going to be uh, 60, 69 years old uh, in a couple months. Um, I've got something now I can do with my family, with my daughters, with my right. wife, with my grandkids, because uh, we're shameless. We'll put them in a commercial. We'll do anything with them because they're cute uh, to sell the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> we have no shame about that. Um I'm fortunate in that I can do this at this point in my life. And that's what the main driving force is to, uh, uh, to get the family involved. They're liking it a lot. They're enjoying it. And I'll leave it to them. It's something I can leave to them. Um, how big we get, Darren, I don't know. I've had two people, three people. One is in the business tell me I need to go on Shark Tank, but I just don't see that happening. Uh, again, I don't want to give up 40% of my business. Uh, yeah. And I don't, I don't think that you, since you're already in the black, I mean, the yeah. only way I could see, and, and that's like trying to do a Kickstarter or something. If you're already went through the initial investment and you, you know, you're making money and not, you know, in the hole every month on it. Right. Um, even if you wanted to do a rub or something, cause rubs are like you said, a lot easier Very to, cheap. to yeah. put, put together, you can, budget um, that. you can budget that and not have to be and hold into somebody else, you know, right. you know, especially right. something like that. I mean, I, I watch those shows and I just go, I, I don't know why people would, especially when they're already an established business and yeah. you know, it's, there's no, it doesn't make sense to me to give up part of your business that you already established and put blood, sweat and tears into for somebody to come in with a little bit of money. And then he's going to take it over run and, and take run, over. run you out of it eventually yeah. or, shut you down so all deeper ingredients in it uh, no yeah. it, we won't do that but uh, it, it, the truth of the matter is and looking into it a little bit uh, a lot of those people that don't uh, uh, don't give up their business or don't agree to uh, to do anything with the guys the investors there just the exposure of being on shark tank uh, oh yeah definitely they'll see the roof and my favorite my favorite shark tank story is uh, the biggest one they said no to was the ring doorbell concept yeah, they said no to that. All four of them said no to it, and look where it is today. So exactly, multi-billion-dollar business. Yeah. We won't be there, but we'll still be doing it uh, locally uh, across the country by by mailing. But um, we're going to grow. It's just how big we get, and and how much uh, time and energy we want to put into it is what's going to limit that. Or right. Well, through. and like you said, you know, it could snowball. You know, you get somebody uh, that um, you know gets it on the food network and all of a sudden, you know, they do it part, yeah, part of their show, man, I had those sauces, the best sauce. you know, things happen like that. You know, you just never know the, who's going to grab a hold of 
grab a hold of your product and love it. And yeah. hopefully you'll get some people that will, uh, you know, check you out and, and order, um, uh, that are listening here because it is, it is, like I said, I don't have, you know, I, I really don't try to push a whole lot of, um, sauces or rubs. Mm-hmm. You know, I do work with fresh Jack seasonings because they have a good concept of what they're doing and their stuff mm-hmm. is all, you know, organic and fresh and, yeah. I haven't had, you know, and I make a lot of my own rubs out of their base ingredients, but they, but they're a good family run company too, Mm -hmm. that, you know, they started out like you really small, but now they're, they're exploding because they make a really high quality product. And, um, I have no problem talking about good family run, you know, small entrepreneurs that are, are making really, really good products. And, that are different. They're not just the same thing that you can find on the shelf, you know, all next to each other. So well, that's what we're trying to be. And, uh, as long as we have fun doing it and I don't have to, uh, dip into the bank account again, we're going to keep doing it this way. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, I really appreciate your, your support and let me come on and talk about it. It's been great. And, uh, well, like I said, I told you, my son loves the stuff. I mean, he pours it on everything and, um, you know, and he's kind of, he's, he's kind of like me to a point where he doesn't like to cook, but he loves to eat and he's Amen. very, he's very picky and he's, he's got a palate that, you know, he's the one that wants to go to the higher priced restaurants and, and try the different stuff, but he doesn't mm-hmm. like to cook, but he, you know, once he gets something he likes and like I said, he's kind of hard to please, you know, he probably likes a lot of grade five Waiuga, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He likes, you know, everything, you know. But he, like I said, he, he loves this stuff. Right. And uh, when he saw you, the, the bottles come the other day, he was like, oh, my God, thank you, Niscus. You know, Let me know. Tell yeah. him I said, thanks. <laughs> Try it on scrambled but, eggs, um, too. My grandkids love it on scrambled eggs. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I want everybody just to try it out. Check out. Uh, I'll put the website back up here one more time um, oh, just so people can see it and i'll put it back to the home page here yeah, it's it the is. farm sauce go to the farm sauce.com and that's what the bottle looks like right there and um you do have to shake it up a little bit mm-hmm. yeah the, <laughs> but the, the stuff will settle it's uh the horseradish you can still see bits of chunks in it uh, floating around in the in the liquid well, and like i said once once you have it it's like i said it's if you, you know, people hear horseradish sometimes so it mm-hmm. scares them away but it's this is not something that's going to knock you on your you know clear your sinuses and right. it's something to where it's subtle and it's and it's uh it's got a really good um mouthfeel to it now on on your website here it says shake it up heat it up and pour it on so do you recommend people you know put it on when they're cooking or when it's hot or yeah, that, that came, um, um, with, with, uh, one of the rib recipes I, I used to use, um, I would cook the ribs and, um, uh, with, with very little seasoning on them and then get them ready to go, chop them up and then take a, a bottle of farm sauce and put it in a gravy boat and heat it up. Uh, the, the heat really does do something to the flavor in terms of activates the horseradish in a different way, in a positive way. I really like the flavor when it's heated up. My, my, my couple of my kids take it right out of the refrigerator and pour it on whatever it is they're eating. <laughs> I don't like it cold. I like it hot. I like it warmed up. Room temperature at the very least. But the heat does seem to activate it. And I just was toying around with some kind of uh, uh, something to put on the label. And shake it up, heat it up, pour it on just came to me. And I said, that's what we're going to go with. So 
Uh, like you can do that. That's the best way to use it. Well, and I do know, like I said, when I do use it as a basting, you know, on, uh, when I'm cooking with it, it does taste a little different than when I'm just yeah. pouring it on and something else. So yeah. the horseradish in the heat, I don't know. And, uh, cause we'll marinate chicken. I'll score a, a breast of chicken, put it in a bag, pour some farm sauce in and let it sit for a couple hours. <laughs> that flavor, uh, is going to be different than when we're basting it on the grill when uh, the heat's activating, uh, the horseradish. So, um, you get the best of both worlds. Well, I want to thank you for being on and I want to thank you for sharing how you came about with the farm sauce. And I want to make sure everybody, I'll put a link in the description below to the website. You can also find it at the Atlanta grill company and they also sell it online at the Atlanta grillcompany.com where you can also find um, all kinds of uh, barbecue and outdoor cooking equipment and sauces and rubs. But um, thanks Gary for being on. I really appreciate it. Anything else? Anything else My you got pleasure. going on? Or is it just uh, that's it? That just... is it. Um, we're coming oh. into the holiday season and uh, going to be doing as many farmers markets as possible. Blue Ridge is an area that has a lot of good ones uh, this time of year, so we'll be up there. And um, just follow us on uh, the website. We're going to try to keep people uh, appraised of where we are and uh, when we're going to be doing our, our, our in-person farmers markets. And uh, we're always selling on the web, though. Um, have you talked as, as, uh, Gary or Jason said anything about if they're doing the, uh, they're not, they're not going to do it this year in December. They don't even know if they're going to do uh, father's day next year. That's, that's the other one they do on an annual basis is father's day. Yeah. And they did it online. They did it virtual and they, yeah. they still did a really good job with it, oh. but I mean, it's not as fun as going there in person. No. And that's a it. great experience when you yeah. watch with Eric running around with eight, right. eight Kamados going and cooking stuff on there. They told me, I think I heard they, they spend seventy to $80,000 buying the meat and the fish and everything for that one cook that one day. That's a lot of food. Yeah. And might be a little different anyway with the way um, Kamado Joe's, you know, um, mm-hmm. kind of changed since then anyway, since, since when me and you were there. Now, <laughs> yeah, they didn't do it last year either. Did they did it? They did it last year. In um, yes, we did it last year. We did yeah. it uh, Christmas and then because – Everything hit the fan in January, basically. Right. January, so, and that was a good. We did a. We had a really good uh, show that year too. And, uh, yeah, I'm, didn't I didn't rain. make it up for that one. So, <laughs> but uh, I heard I it know. was a good time. Yeah. But, all right, sir. Well, thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Everybody, check out the farm sauce at thefarmsauce.com. And uh, Gary, thanks for uh, being on. And we will see you again. And yes, I'm sir. sure we'll enjoy your farm sauce. My son will have it for dinner tonight. So, thank you, sir. Thanks, and let me know if you need more. Take care, Gary. All Thanks. Well, thanks again for joining us on the Firewater Cooking Podcast. I want to thank Gary Bixler one more time with the Farm Sauce for being on. Make sure you check out the uh, link to his website below. You can also find it at theatlanticgrillcompany.com. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast on YouTube and Facebook. See you on the next Fire and Water Cooking Podcast.